0: everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of the IACast. My name is Michael Doeys, and we have an exciting episode for you guys. I'm here today with Scott Van Gorp. Hello. Chelsea Page. Hello. And Aaliyah Dudley.
1: We're getting quite old and long in the tooth over here.
0: <laughs> yeah, 80 episodes, guys. <laughs> this is exciting. It's really interesting to look at where we were and where we are now, so I've I'm very excited. You know, episode 100 is right around the corner.
1: This year, if we keep it up, and I promise, guys, I will not talk in my old man voice all show. I
0: promise. So we have some interesting news to start off the episode, but our main topic this time is about Braille. But I think there's been some interesting news at the weekend of this recording while we were out of town. That's why we are recording on a Monday. But... It seems that it's happening again. T-Mobile is looking to merge with another cell phone company. But I think this time, instead of T-Mobile being absorbed, they're going to absorb another company. T-Mobile and Sprint are looking to merge. And this is very interesting. What are y'all's thoughts on this?
1: I'm kind of scared, let's be honest. I haven't heard great things about either company. And I think that it's... I don't know. I don't know that it's the best move. I also don't know that it's going to be allowed to go through. Because let's face it, I don't know that I like the idea of only three major cell phone carriers either. That's a little disturbing.
2: I would agree with Alea. Both companies have been struggling over the years. Sprint a little bit more so than T-Mobile in a lot of ways. While each of them have good technologies... At their core, together, I'm just not so sure they would provide the best service, not only to their customers, but as a network. And I honestly do not see the federal regulators letting this one slide. It didn't slide when T-Mobile attempted to merge with AT&T. I don't see it going through now.
0: Well, interestingly, I've actually heard some very compelling facts today why it might might actually go through and that is that both T-Mobile and Sprint I believe have less customers combined than even AT&T so with that being the case I think that this might be allowed because this would not be a monopoly as such whereas T-Mobile coming into AT&T would be so I still don't like the idea of it happening but from what I've heard Sprint would become T-Mobile and the T-Mobile CEO would represent both companies and I don't know what would happen with the Sprint network if it would be absorbed into the GSM based network but it will be interesting to see what everybody with Sprint headsets are going to have to do with those head with those handsets if they're going to have to exchange them for T-Mobile ones or are, you know, there's gonna be both for a while. I'm not sure. It's very interesting and I'm I'm I think we as i Accessibility will be watching this story very closely because it's important. You know, it will be three carriers and I don't think that's a very good thing for business. But I think for the customers, if they can make both of those networks into one, that might give T Mobile a fighting chance to compete. My honest opinion that I think they should have done is kept their name as Sprint Mobile because if you look at it, both Sprint and T-Mobile are both in that name. Just put a dash between them.
1: Clever.
0: Interesting hypothesis. If
2: Sprint were to adopt the GSM technology, because I I don't see T-Mobile picking up the network that Sprint is using. I, I see Sprint going GSM. If that happens... You might potentially see coverage in areas where T-Mobile isn't currently. I'm just concerned about the overall quality
0: right, and it will just be you know one of those things we just have to wait and see. I've heard that a lot of the the FTC and the FCC may not have an issue with this. It's just going to depend on the uh, Department of Justice to determine if this gets blocked or not.
2: They were the ones that blocked. T-Mobile and AT&T. If there's any regulatory body that's going to step in, it would be uh, Department of Justice in this case.
0: Right. The interesting thing is I do think that this will give Sprint customers who haven't had the biggest selection of phones the ability to pick more phones than what they've been able to get with Sprint. I don't think they've had as much of a selection. And now with the merger with T-Mobile, all of those customers have all those options. So I think that's a, a nice thing. Time will tell. All right. So the next thing that is interesting in the news is next week is Google I.O. And we're going to have a whole show on that. But that is next week. Starts on May 8th. So that's going to be exciting. We, like I said, we'll have a show this weekend coming up recorded talking about what we want to see. And really cool stuff. So be checking back for that. So to our topic at hand, Braille. We've talked about Braille quite a bit on this show, but it's because we can't stress enough the importance of Braille, right?
1: Absolutely. Braille is one of the most critical things that a blind person or low vision person can have in their toolbox that will help make them successful throughout their lives.
0: So... I want to go around again. I think we've done this in the past, but Chelsea, I don't think you've gotten to tell your story. So we'll start with you. What is your background in Braille? When did you get started and what do you use it for?
3: Well, I started learning Braille when I was in kindergarten, actually. And I use Braille on a daily, I would go as far as to say hourly basis. If I'm awake, I'm doing something with Braille, whether it's doing laundry and reading the washer machine to reading email with a Braille display, reading labeled products. Braille is a crucial part of, it is literacy for me. Without Braille, I would be up a creek. Many people say that audio is literacy, and while some people use audio as a means of reading, you just don't get the same information as you do when you're reading a braille book
0: agreed because the braille and actually feeling the dots actually engage the visual centers of your brain, whether people know that mm-hmm. or not, that's what it happens, whereas audio that does not always happen, so that's interesting that you bring that up so scott
2: as far as when i started using braille like chelsea i started clear back in kindergarten if not before all the way through school i wish that i would have had more braille in college than i had access to but i still use it every day in my work with the job that i have i have a braille display in front of me eight hours a day 40 hours a week Without it, I would not be nearly as efficient in doing my work, in communicating with colleagues and others. It's the bridge to success. You mentioned audio, Michael. Audio is great, but audio can't teach you how to spell. If you're going to be in a professional environment, Spelling, grammar, punctuation are so important, and Braille is the only way to truly get what that looks like.
0: All right. And how about you, Aaliyah?
1: I have been a Braille enthusiast since I was three. I began learning Braille very, very young and proceeded with that through my school days to the point where my mother would fondly tell stories of me loving braille and reading so much that I would have well okay our school had desks with little cubbies underneath them directly underneath and they're little metal cubbies where you could put books or pens and pencils whatever they weren't one of those flip top desks and what I would do thinking I was all sneaky and stuff is I would put my hands in that little cubby and be reading my book while the teacher was talking and totally not paying attention. So I have always had a love for reading, and Braille really has fostered that. Yeah, there is audio, but there really is no replacement for getting your hands on Braille. And I still use it. I have two Braille devices in my house, and I am an avid reader still. And when I went to training at the Louisiana Center for the Blind, I went from reading, I think it was close to 200 words a minute in Braille silently to almost 300 now. So, you know, literacy is important. Braille is important. If you can't process information quickly, you can't be productive. And productivity is something that employers want. And if you can be a cut
3: above the rest, even better. Aaliyah brought up a good point about literacy and employers wanting, you know, if you can't read, then employers really look at that. Well, there's actually been research that supports the fact that when, obviously, the statistics of just the the low rate of raw readers, and then the fact that there's research out there that shows that if someone's not reading in the, their right reading medium, that they're less likely to be, a, be successful.
0: Yes, and that's a good point. I started reading Braille at age two. I started learning my name and all those different things just because they wanted to get that knowledge of Braille in my mind as soon as they could. And I'm very thankful for it. I still know how to read Braille today. I don't use it as much as these guys do because I read print as well. And I love my audiobooks. But I recently obtained a Braille display so that I can keep up my Braille reading speed and keep up-to-date on standards. So uh, I am very thankful to have that. So it's really cool. And it helps me, you know, since I'm in the industry to know, okay, here's what I could tell people to do. Here's how things work. And... uh So I'm very thankful to have, be able to use Braille today. I kind of wish there was easier access to actual Braille books, but that is what it is. Today we want to talk about the importance of Braille and, you know, we've touched on it in our discussion, our intros, and what I want to do first is take a break and talk about one of our products And that is our app called Pocket Braille. It is now out for iOS and Android. There are free versions, so you can check it out on each platform. And we'll have a link to it in our show notes. But basically, it's a referencing tool where you could see, hear, and feel the different dot combinations and what they are. So if you're trying to learn Braille, it's a good resource to go along with your actual instruction. Very soon, we will be adding all the contractions in grade 2 to this app on both ios and android so please keep checking back for that and i hope you guys enjoy it it's a very good app very informative so check it out it should it might even be out by the time this recording hits your podcast feed so be excited about that because i am I love making good reference apps, and I think this will be very useful for folks. So, on to our main topic, and that is how important Braille is. You know, like Aaliyah talked about, you know, if you can't use Braille in your workplace, or if you can't use Braille effectively to read documents and process information, you're not going to be effective at what you do. And I think, Aliyah, you have a interesting perspective on that right now through going through college because you're doing a lot with code and you're finding out how useful Braille is for that. Can you talk about that for a little bit?
1: Sure. So for me, I've just switched my major, and I am now a computer information systems major. And as a result of that, I have to take coding classes, and they're some of my favorites. But the reality is... When you are coding, you rely on a lot of punctuation marks that aren't necessarily spoken by screen readers. Or if they are, everything goes by at such a rate sometimes that you can't necessarily debug the code properly and discover if there are missing punctuation marks or missing items in your code. And especially if you need to go through it one character at a time that can be really frustrating and really annoying. So what I have done is hooked up my braille display to my laptop via USB. And that allows me to view the entire line of code or as much code as will fit on a 32 cell display, but significantly larger chunks than before. And I can go through that line of code and dissect it a little better and discover whether there are errors on that line that I need to fix. For example, parentheses that I have not closed or variable names that aren't typed properly or any other things. And so Braille is extremely powerful in that regard.
0: Excellent. So Scott, let me hear how you use Braille in your daily work life to stay productive because I'm sure Where you work, that's that's essential.
2: Sure. So, as a call center planning specialist, Braille is very, very useful to me. I have to be able to make sure that the schedules that I enter are accurate, that I'm scheduling things for the correct employees, or if I am putting together various staffing reports or other reports that call center management and leadership need to have, the information needs to be accurate. So as I'm putting that information together, yes, I'm reading it with my screen reader, but I'm also triple checking it with Braille. I don't just look at it once, I'll look at it twice more outside of the screen reader. And I will go character by character because if there's one number off, the statistics are totally thrown out of place and totally askew. And when you're dealing with various targets that have to be met to avoid financial consequences in some cases, it's absolutely critical that the data is correct 100% of the time. And Braille is the only way for me to ensure that that happens.
0: Okay, Chelsea,
3: how about you? Braille is, wow. I use it from everything from when I'm doing as much as looking over an IP to, my favorite part is I get to teach it on a daily basis. I get to determine whether or not a student needs braille and if so, at what frequency, how often or how much per week. And then I get to go and implement it and to help implement it into their classroom, into their daily lives, talk to parents about the importance of braille I use it in writing reports and progress monitoring. It's such a vital part of me being a productive part of the workplace. For instance, one day, a while back, I had forgotten a USB cable and could not use my 32 cell Braille display. But luckily I had a a cord that would connect to my 14 cell. I used a 14 cell Braille display the whole day. And when you're trying to read a lot on it, it was, it was a little aggravating, but at least I had it. Because as we've covered earlier, Braille is an equal to print. So with that being said, I'm a very visual person. So me sitting there listening to JAWS read an IEP or a document, I don't process it. So I, I have to have it in Braille in order to comprehend it.
0: Excellent. That's good information. I personally don't use it on a daily basis just because of what my job is. I use a lot of magnification. I use Braille mostly for, you know, at home and doing those things. So my views don't exactly matter here because they're not for productivity on a daily basis. But... I want to ask this question because, you know, Braille can be intimidating to get into because it's like, well, I have my speech. I have these things already available to me. So why and how do I integrate Braille into my workflow and how do I learn it? How do I get started? How do I do all these things? Because it just seems kind of daunting for some folks. You know, one way is through uh, Pocket Braille that we just talked about earlier, but what would you recommend folks do who want to get started? And I also challenge you guys to think of a solution for those who don't have the most feeling in their fingers. Um, how to help those folks. So what would y'all say is a good solution for getting started and for folks that are struggling to learn?
3: One thing I would say is with the availability of distance learning, rather it be through team talk, Zoom, all these different avenues. It's made people getting training in Braille a lot easier. For instance, because you can get Braille prepared, and you can ship it free matter, and then you could do something like distance training in it and where you work with a braille instructor or someone that knows braille don't they don't even have to be a certified instructor but as long as someone that knows braille that knows the code that's willing to work with you and that's one way and then of course pocket braille which as michael said awesome app and there's also just networking and finding someone in your community that knows braille that can work with you on that and I use all kind of things when I'm teaching braille. I use muffin tins and tennis balls because um, the six cup muffin tin, if you turn it three cups going down to across, it looks, it resembles a braille sail disp- rather. And so what that's going to do is your tennis balls are going to represent the dots. So then, for instance, if you're making a C using tennis balls and muffin tin, you would put a tennis ball in the first one on the left and the first one on the right from the top. And then there's the braille blocks, which are similar to the tennis balls and muffin tins, except they're made out of wood and they're a little bit, they're a lot smaller and they have the pegs in them. Um, Something else is jumbo braille which is simply what it is it's dots that are bigger that are easier to feel also some people can feel refreshable braille displays better than they can say paper braille so those are just a few of the many many methods out there
0: so. that's really good and one method uh, that I've heard of, I don't know if you guys have used, is the Hadley School for the Blind teaches a Braille class. Are y'all familiar with that?
3: I have never taken it personally, but I have heard of them, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And also, there is a wonderful trainer at iAccessibility named Chelsea Page that would love to work with you in learning Braille.
3: I sure would.
0: So, I want to throw an. Now, ind-
1: Michael, as training coordinator, I have to take offense that you didn't call out one of my other trainers, Miss Anna Trotman, who is also training in Braille. So,
0: that's right. Anna don't be is a also a trainer of Braille. So, she is another good resource on our team. That is why Aliyah is training coordinator and I am not because I don't remember who all is signed up to do what. <laughs> So, yeah, and uh, so we do have two Braille trainers and they are awesome. So iAccessibility.net slash training did not mean to do a second ad in the middle of the show, but there you go. So I want to add a different perspective on this because I think it's actually useful for everyone, not just people that are blind, but everyone to learn Braille. Wouldn't y'all agree?
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I wouldn't disagree. The thing
0: would be getting everyone to do it so and here's, to want to learn it. Here's a use case for all of those business professionals that are in your meetings and you have slides on the projector that you need to look at charts and different things. You could be using your hands to read notes and to read different things while looking at charts. You can actually multitask with your vision and with reading Braille. So not only are you productive at what you're doing, you could increase your productivity by adding that level of Braille to what you're already doing. I've done it. I've actually looked at graphics and different things while reading Braille. And then I'm not focusing on text. I'm looking at the visual elements that I need to pay attention to while reading different things and making notes in Braille. I don't think many people think of doing that, but it's actually quite effective for multitasking in a productivity-based environment.
2: That's a good point. I'm going to take that back to a few of my corporate presenters and see what they'll do with it.
0: I mean, what you could do, Scott, is actually emboss some notes. You know, make some Braille notes for a, for, a, for a slideshow, and then take those back to your department, to the presenters, and say, you know, here's what people can do with these and that way they can understand what you're talking about. It's a very intriguing idea, especially for low vision users, but I think everybody could benefit from this technique. What are y'all's thoughts on this?
2: Definitely an interesting concept to think about. Real world application would take some work, but I do definitely think it's doable.
3: Absolutely love it. I mean, I love the concept actually you brought up an interesting point about for low vision users because many of them feel like that, well, why do I need braille whenever I can see it? But really, like you said, it's, it's so, you can multitask so well with it. If you know braille and you're doing something with graphics at the same time, then I can definitely see the pros.
0: All right. So, does anybody have any final comments before we wrap up today? Because I think we've covered quite a bit of new ground that we haven't covered on other podcasts on this topic. So, do you guys want to close it out with any final comments that uh, you want to bring up?
3: I just want to reiterate, you know, that if it's always so good to know to ha- for if, for any parents or anyone that may be listening that. If you question whether or not Braille would be appropriate for you or your child or friend or anybody to learn, get assessments done, National reading media assessment, all those kind of assessments done. And hey, learning Braille can never hurt anyone.:
2: Piggybacking off what Chelsea said. Braille is probably one of the most effective tools that a blind or low vision person can have in the workplace, I would put it above, almost above a cane in a lot of ways because, or at least equal to that, because with having the cane and having Braille, for instance, or a dog or whatever mobility aid you happen to be using, along with Braille, you're unstoppable.
0: Okay, now that I'm thinking about it, I do want to ask you guys this one question because y'all are the experts here. Should folks that are already Braille users upgrade to UEB?
3: Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, Absolutely. yes, yes. It's the new standard, and I know that things are weird, like the word fever looking like fever. <sighs> <get> <laughs> the, the first time I saw that, I was like, what the heck's a fever? and Sphere looking like Spahir, it doesn't sit well in some people's minds. But really, honestly, folks, update. Because it's what Banna has decided, and it's what we're going to have for the foreseeable future. So don't get stuck in your grade 2 literary ways. Get rid of your snuggly words, and come to the UEB dark side.
2: As Aaliyah mentioned, just to clarify... The Braille Authority of North America did make this change, and change is hard. You know, none of us are going to sit here and say that it isn't, but it's something that is going to have to be done in order to continue to be successful, not just in productivity, but in life in general with Braille.
3: Right. And a lot of places are not producing Braille in the grade two literary braille code that we want to do anymore. A lot of places are, are producing braille now in UEB. And if you think about it, it's looking a lot more like what print looks like. I mean, now coming from an educational standpoint, if a teacher says look for the text highlighted in yellow, There are actually now. I I have never seen this, but it was pointed out to me. There are actually different signs that show the colors that stuff's highlighted in. In UEB. Different symbols.
0: Interesting. And one of the things that I've found is that reading UEB is not a lot different, guys. It's... I started reading it, and I didn't know the difference. Like, my fingers just understood it. Now, if I were to be sitting down at a Perkins, I would probably go back to my old terrible grade 2 good-for-nothing days (laughs) just because I don't know the rules of UEB by heart. I can read them, and I understand exactly what I'm reading, But I would not know how to write those. So keep that in mind, too, as you upgrade your braille skills.
2: There are resources that people can get. I know there are several different ones out there that will help people learn how to not only read it, but write it as well. But because like you, Michael, I can read it all day long. Writing it, forget it.
0: So... Last item of business before we wrap up. I know we said we'd do that a while back. Which Braille displays do y'all like the best? Which ones do y'all use and like the best?
3: I currently use a Smart Beetle, a Braille U2, and then at work I use a Focus 40 Blue. And I have to say that I love, I'm really, really curious to find out what the new Focus 40 looks like. And because I like the 40 cells as opposed to the 14 or the 32. I mean, yeah, it's only eight more eight more cells than the 32, but I think I like the way it just the way it operates better the Focus 40.
2: I use a combination of the BrailleSense U2 for my note-taking needs. And I actually have a Focus 80 Blue that I use for work. I would like to get something more portable for my iPhone than necessarily having my note taker with me all the time. So potentially a Focus 14 or a Focus 40 Blue or even a a Braille Edge would be another possible way to go there. My Braille display of choice has to be, though, the Focus 80, particularly for work. Uh, I need all the real estate I can get with how things are laid out on my screen and with the applications that I'm using. The more real estate I can get, the better. So, 80 cells is definitely the way to go there for me.
0: All right. And, Aliyah, how about you?
1: Well, what I have right now is a brilliant 32 cell. And it's great but it's not what I would love to have. I would love something like a Braille Edge or the now endangered Vario Ultra. I really would like a display that compared to more more than one device and I want something with a little bit more cell real estate but still small enough to be portable.
0: Yeah, my favorite so far is the Vario. Uh, That's the one I have. Once it eventually, hopefully not for a very long time because I love this thing. But I think I would upgrade to the Braille Edge or the Neo Braille or something similar. Those are my favorite displays. Partly because they have note-taking features built in, but uh, they are very nice. All right, well, I think we have uh, filled up all the cells for this podcast. (laughs) And we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. We're going to go back to what we did in the past on our episodes and talk about in our closing statements what we are into right now, like what apps, games, or books we all pick an item. And uh, so when we give our contact information, we'll also give that. So, with that said, Aaliyah, where can people find you online?
1: Well, I'll start with my pick for this week, and it would have to be the game Woven Words. It is done by the same company who did Seven Little Words, and it is a game where you are presented with a puzzle where you must fill in blanks to form words both vertically and horizontally. It's a bit of a crossword. Kind of thing without the clues you have letters that are locked into place but then you have blank spots you have to fill and it's completely accessible with voiceover it is extremely addictive and for ten dollars you can purchase the unlimited pack that gives you access to all of the puzzles you could ever want and so I love this game. I'm a little too addicted to this game, and I have to keep myself from playing it in class. Nope, nope, Aliyah didn't say that. Anyway, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199, or you can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A at iAccessibility.net.
0: All right, Scott, what's your pick, and where can people find you online?
2: My pick, probably because we're heading into severe weather season in my part of the country, still has to be my all-time favorite weather app right now, Weather Informant. I say all-time favorite right now because the one that I had previously, Weather Alert USA, is no longer being produced. If you want more information on Weather Informant and some of the other weather apps that I've used, go back to Podcast 73. Having said that, people can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can find me on Twitter, at Scott Van Gorp. You can also search for me on Facebook, Scott Heidi Van Gorp. You can also send me an email. You can email scott at
0: net. All right. Chelsea, what is your pick, and where can people find you online?
3: Well, I have to be... Looking at there's the the new well it's not new but it's the ma- one of the math games the math apps that APH is producing this week called Math Robot it's been out for a while but I've really been kind of looking into it and doing a lot of digging and trying to learn more about it so that's kind of what I've been looking into and you can find me producing content for i accessibility by sending me an email at chelsea at iaccessibility.net you can search for me on facebook just search for chelsea page and you can follow me on twitter just search for chelsea p08
0: all right and i guess that just leaves me so my pick is a game i've been playing it's a low vision or a Actually it's a very visual game. I just happen to be low vision and playing it. It's called The Glitch dash and it is a quoted impossible runner. And it's essentially a very high-paced game where you're running through mazes and different things and the game never stops and there's different obstacles, hammers, lasers, blades, all kinds of stuff trying to get you and you you know it's it's not a gory game. It's not uh You know, it's just, it's almost like you're running through a computer, very abstract things, and uh, very fun, very good music, and they're always, they're making content updates like crazy. So, awesome game to check out the Glitch Dash. So, I cannot wait for them to add Endless Mode. Come on, people, add it. Add it. It's on the the menu. I want to play it. So, (laughs) with that being said, you can find me, producing content for iAccessibility, you could send me an email at Mike Doeys. It's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter. I'm also Michael Doeys on Facebook. And you could also go to my website at MichaelDoeys.com to learn more about me and what I'm working on. So that's a little about me. If you want to find out more about iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. If you want to leave us feedback, you can by emailing feedback at iAccessibility.net. We have our app where you can listen to this podcast and others. Just go and search the iOS app store for iAccessibility. And if you'd like to help us out by keeping the podcast alive, you can at patreon.com slash iacast. And if you have issues there, you can use the app to create an account and become a patron. We would really appreciate any little bit you know that you could send our way. And if you do you get good outtakes and if you pay five dollars you actually get our raw episodes. So a lot of fun and craziness there. So great stuff. We're all over the web. We have a YouTube channel. We have a Tumblr page we have all of these things. So we're not hard to find so be on the lookout for eye accessibility. Well I think this has been a great episode. I want to thank everybody for being here. Scott, Aaliyah, Chelsea, this has been amazing. And we're going to have some Google-related stuff next week, so I can't wait for that. So I want to just say thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys on the stream who who have stuck with us this long. And this has been a great show. So thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, and Michael Dowie's.